This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. It's Monday, October 24th, 2022, and I'm in my Portland, Maine studio. I just watched the third gubernatorial debate between incumbent Democratic Governor Janet Mills and former Republican Governor Paula Page. The 60-minute debate was sponsored by CBS Channel 13 and the Bangor Daily News, and joining me by phone for the second time to unpack the baggage is Nick Murray, Director of Policy for the Maine Policy Institute, a conservative think tank. Welcome back, Nick Murray. Thanks for having me. Well, this is the second time we've been together after a debate, and I guess my first question, having watched Janet Mills and Paul LePage on Channel 13 tonight, is did you see any big difference from when we first saw them debate on uh, Maine Public two weeks ago? I definitely saw a more prepared Paul LePage, that's for sure, um, especially going back to our conversation that night. I, I was uh, – I was – not impressed with with how uh, just kind of slap shot it seemed. He had been talking a big game that day, and he didn't quite deliver. But he was definitely more prepared today. He had a prepared opening statement um, and closing statement, which was uh, good to see. And um, and I think they were both more on even terms. I think I think they they were both having fun, you know, taking shots at each other. But I think they were both more polished, and and uh, you really got to see what is important to each of the candidates and more of who they are authentically, I think, tonight. Any compelling moments jump out at you for of, from either candidate? Um, well, you know, I think, I think Mills did well to um, show how strong she is on the lobster issue. It's something that Republicans have been hammering her a lot on, um, and, I, and I think, you know, a lot of that focuses on could she be doing more and and I think she did a good job of showing how much her administration is involved and, you know, what, what they're doing and how, um, how much she understands the issue as well. But, uh, you know, LePage, I, I also thought, was is stronger on a couple things, especially the sappy mill Shawmut Dam. I think he kind of sent the governor on her heels there. Yeah. Um, pointing that pointing that out and, and really trying to put it to her i think it was kind of clever how he uh, i don't know i'm curious how you feel about this but he said hey if you sign that permit tomorrow i'll go up and i'll dedicate whatever the next year to saving the six fish that, it, that the difference is between the you know report that you're holding up so yeah I you thought about that one but i thought he looked strong there I thought he did, too. I thought it was pretty funny. That was a classic Paula Page. I thought in terms of yeah. demeanor and tone, and I apologize for the background no, no, noise. Hold on for one second. All good. In my view, uh, Janet looked a little bit tired compared to last time. Last yeah. time I thought she was very animated and sort of commanded the stage and had very steely you know, appearance, and Paula Page seemed a little off his game, whereas tonight he seemed more relaxed. He looked more animated. Uh, yes, I thought the, the sappy dam issue is a good one. I thought Paula Page's closing argument was quite strong, just asking about are you in a better position today yeah. versus four years ago with pocketbook issues, because I think that's really where a lot of voters uh, are feeling it. But I guess the question for me comes back to, as much as I think Paul LePage improved in his performance from last time, I'm not sure if he moved the needle. Do you think he moved the needle for Maine voters who are on the fence? Uh, it's, 
it's so hard. It's so hard to know. I think more people are paying attention now. And in that way, I think, uh, I think voters are generally feeling that sort of momentum shift on the national level in terms of uh, the optimism that folks may have had on the economic front, though minimal, but it was about a month or two ago. I think that's generally dissipated when most people are anticipating a recession. We're talking about uh, the heating oil shortage, diesel shortage. I just heard today that national uh, diesel supply is, is in a, a tight spot. So I think that's really on people's minds. And I think LePage was, was riding that a bit. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the race did tighten after tonight. Can't say that we're really going to know for sure. We talked about the polls last time. I'm still skeptical. I think we still kind of have the same polls um, out there like we, we discussed the other the other uh, week. But um, but yeah, I do think I do think LePage probably brought it closer, and like I said, I think it's closer than the polls uh, tell us. Um, it, it it's probably as close as it has ever been, in my in my opinion. The most recent polls came out about ten points, you know, between yeah. Janet Mills and Paula Page, and I know it's sort of generally accepted now that Republicans and conservatives are less likely to participate in polling. Why do you think that is? I think I think there's a general mistrust of media organizations in general, um, and, and I think for good reason. I think conservatives have a lot of reason to distrust mainstream media and corporate-owned media just just on the basis of biased coverage. And then so you just have this, and, and, and we have this resurgence or, or surgence of alternative media sources um, in the digital realm. And I think um, folks, you know, find what they what they want, and they and they pursue the media that they they can relate to. So um, in generally, you really only see these big polls being done by large media agencies. And, and I think conservatives generally just distrust polling and, you know, in general. So, and, and when you look at these sampling, especially in Maine, you see that too. You see they, they pretty heavily sample greater Portland. They pretty heavily um, sample Democrats and, and, and more than really what the state breakdown is. And so when, when you see Mills come out on the top line, 10 or 12 points up as she was in Emerson. But then you look back into the crosstabs of what are the most important issues to voters. And inflation is something like 70% of voters say that's a top issue for them. And then the successive issues are cost of living and taxes, I want to say. I, right. I if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that was the Emerson poll. But the, the when the voters are saying that the top three issues are pocketbook economic issues, but Mills is up by 10 points, that just doesn't that just doesn't make sense to me. And then you look back in at who they're sampling, and, they, and, and I think it generally comes out of that sample. It's just tough to get people on the phone who are living in rural areas and who are generally conservative. I think people just don't want to participate in the polls. Um, but you still see, I think, even in that oversampled uh, uh, Democratic environment, people, and independents especially, are thinking about the economic issues. More voters heading to the polls thinking about the economy are, are more voters breaking for, for Paul LePage and for Republicans nationally, I think. So that's why I'm skeptical. That's why I think it's a lot closer than the polls might say. I'm skeptical of the polling as well, uh, in part because I think this the most recent poll, the PAN uh, one, was it said it was a random survey on the computer, which I think, I, I just think the random sampling in the digital age is impossible. I don't think you get a true random sampling. Do you think just... In terms of the abortion issue, I mean, the, the economy clearly is at the top 
of mind for most people, but the abortion issue comes up in these debates. And Paula Page is in a really sort of tight spot. He's trying to thread the needle. Uh, on the one hand, saying he's not going to change the law. He never changed it when he was governor. On the other hand, Janet Mills has a very good point when she said, yeah, sure, that's what Brett Kavanaugh said. Do, are, are, yeah. are Republicans and conservatives listening to this abortion conversation and getting worried that Paul LePage has gone soft, or are they secretly hoping he is Kavanaugh? What's going on here with the abortion and Paul LePage? I, I think I really think it matters more to, to Democratic voters and probably uh, probably a lot of independent voters in Maine. The question is, is that the thing that motivates them to get to the polls? And I I generally don't think it's a motivating factor for three out of four voters. I, I would say, you know, but I will say, um, as prepared as LePage was tonight, and clearly he was prepared for the first part of the abortion question. I think he tied himself in another pretzel there with the taxpayer-funded side. When I heard him say, <laughs> yeah. I'm against taxpayer-funded abortion, but then I'm cool with it if they qualify for Maine care, Medicaid, uh, I was like, hold up, that's like the taxpayer-funded abortion right. that, you're, that you're against. And then, and that's the thing, he, he, he shot himself in the foot, right? He, he, was, he was saying, why are we still talking about this? Let's get to talking about heating oil. And man, you extended this you extended this topic for way longer than it needed to be. You know, you really only have yourself to blame. Shepard had to come back and say, what? That is literally the thing that they, that, that, that people talk about when, when they talk about uh, taxpayer-funded abortion. No one in the country is recommending that they pay for it, like education, like you said. Just, yeah, right. Yeah. It, it just it shouldn't, it should, shouldn't have gotten to that point, um, but he has only himself to blame for setting that up. Some people were critical. Well, the Mills drove it home. Right? Yeah, Mills, yeah, Mills she had to. She said it multiple times. She drove it home, and, and that's, you know, as like like the economy for Republicans, if voters are heading to the voting booth thinking about abortion, as the polls show, they're more, more than likely going to vote for Democrats. So, I mean, that's that's what Mills wants people to be thinking about, and LePage is not helping himself. What do you think, some, um, some of the criticism of the debate that we last talked about, that was the debate that Maine Public and the Portland Press Herald sponsored, um, online as well as um, just in some circles I was talking with people and there was criticism of the um, of the sponsors that the, the, the questions themselves some thought were loaded and that the you know in debate pushback from the um, moderators was a little too heavy on the Democratic side did you did you get any sense tonight of it what was the was there more or less balance what did you uh, make of the the Mike Shepard and Greg Lagerquist, as opposed to the earlier debate, did you see much difference in the way they handled it? Yeah, I thought uh, Greg Lagerquist and Mike Shepard did much better than the the you know Steve Missler, uh, Penelope Overton. I, I think I think uh, the bias was clear from from Steve Missler last time, and there were points, especially during that abortion question. Yes, he needed to be followed up, but at a, at a time there were it was like four to one um, on the page there, and. Uh, yeah, I think today they were they were much more even keeled, and and I think the questions were good. I think they were um, substantive questions, and and the follow ups too, really trying to get to the point of of uh, really maybe trying to expose some part of the details of, of the plan. I think I think they tried to dig into what the candidates were about and what their policy solutions were, and I always like to see that. So I was much much more pleased with how the, tonight's debate was run versus the last one we watched together. And uh, well, now I guess 
I want to wrap up talking a little bit about your boss, Steve Robinson. Your new boss is uh, <laughs> was watching. The, I don't know. Is your how has your life changed now that Steve Robinson is the editor in chief of the uh, Main Wire? Well, I, you know, I would I would call Steve a coworker, but mm-hmm. I'm not working with him. Um, oh, he's not you your know, boss. Uh, you know, my primary my primary work is is through Main Policy Institute. Obviously, the Main Wire is a project of ours, but. Um, Steve being the editor-in-chief in means that, you know, I can really focus on moving our research forward and moving our legislative priorities forward, getting our agenda set for next year, or putting out our legislative guidebook soon. But, I mean, I love what Steve's doing. He's, he's getting, he's getting these, uh, these great videos out there of teachers uh, talking about how, you know, parents should, should uh, just stay out of the way and let them, let them uh, teach their kids whatever they like and uh, don't criticize what they're doing. And so... You know, it's it's great to see that that Steve's getting these these scoops um, of 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 just uh, you know exposing what's happening in main schools because parents I think really want to know and the main media is not covering it generally. So uh, especially in, in regards to this the teacher in Gray New Gloucester recently, and then um, uh, this teacher in Herman uh, that, who was speaking at a school board meeting. So folks can find that stuff at themainwire.com because I don't think you're going to find it anywhere else. So I'm, I'm glad Steve's doing what he's doing. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna get a lot, a lot more information out there um, through this this unique channel. So I'm glad the world has the main wire. Yeah, I think um, the world is gonna move and shake a little bit differently in um, in Maine as a result of Steve's yeah. return. <laughs> Look out! I agree. I agree. <laughs> Look out, liberals! <laughs> so what sort of research? But in terms of like the, and I'm almost done. But Paula Page is. Uh, made this point a couple times that you know men are are dropping off the cliff in Maine. He points to statistics about the uh, you know rate of enrollment at college and uh, just the large proportion of men, able-bodied men, as you conservatives like to say, um, not working. So, what sort of research either can you do or have you done about why there is that dichotomy in uh, between the genders when it comes to the workforce participation? I mean, it's a good question. I, I can't say that I've done, I've done the research to look into that actual gender gap. I mean, I think um, when you look at, when, when, we, when we look at critically the, the main care system, the fact that we provide, we expanded Medicaid, uh, and we're providing you know, free health care for, like you said, able-bodied adults without dependents, um, and it's something like 90,000 people right now are on expanded main care. If you take away the single mothers, part of that, which I think is, is, is part of the reason that we see this dichotomy as well. You have some single mothers on there. Um, and, and say if you cap it at folks you know, under uh, age 50, there's at least 70 or 80% of that, that cohort that is able-bodied working age um, adults without dependents. Um, and when we're looking at our labor force participation rate, we're lagging behind the, the nation. We're lagging behind our, our uh, peer states and our neighbor, New Hampshire. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, as long as you don't work too much, um, you're going to get free health care from the state. Um, and I, and I, just, I, think it, I think it adds this, uh, this poor incentive. Um, obviously, people are behaving rationally in this system, um, but it prevents people from working more and it prevents people from earning more even. So that that comes into you know reforming the wealth welfare cliff and and uh, and just I think phasing we want to phase people off of 
public dependency and government dependency. We want people to be independent um, financially and be able to craft their own lives and not be locked into this cycle based on whatever state policy for eligibility of, of benefits are. You know, it's not not a way to, to build a productive society. So I think there's, there's a lot of things to, to talk about there. Um, and, and it really gets into a cultural or even a spiritual aspect where, you know, people need to take responsibility for their lives. And, and you know, if you, if, if you, if you want to grow uh, and serve the, the world around you, um, provide value for your neighbors, the world's going to, the world's going to reward you for it. Yeah, I think. And if you, you know, so it's, it's, it's something that we all have to come to terms with. And, uh, and it's something that, you know, politics can help with, policy environment can help with, but at some point it comes down to the individual um, taking initiative. Well, I'd be curious to see, since you concede that there's not really research making the connection between increased Medicaid coverage for able-bodied adults and the workforce participation numbers, there may be a, a you know causation, but it could just be correlation. But um, well, yeah, I mean, you were asking about the gender. Difference. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any research on the gender difference, but I think there's a pretty strong correlation of giving people benefits for not working or not working too much and not having as many people in the workforce. I think that may be true. I think what might be tricky to um, that that argument isn't as strong as it once was. I think because of the pandemic, because I think people could point to the investments that the Mills administration made in the CDC and the increased health insurance being the cause of Maine having the lowest per capita COVID deaths. So, it I I understand the argument yeah. that you know, but yeah. I. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a complex, that's a complex conversation. Right. I, I guess what I'm saying is, it's, I think it's as fair to infer that we had good COVID outcomes because of expanded Medicaid as it is to infer we have a low workforce participation rate because of Medicaid. Because we're both guessing. Right. Well, totally, totally, and, and we can only you know measure correlates to states that aren't like Maine and see how strongly we we might uh, align to that. But but right, we. We, we don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> Any big surprises but, uh, tonight, Nick? Were you surprised by anything that you heard? Um, you know, I I guess I was surprised to hear Janet Mills say not at this time when she was asked if she would favor a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for school children. Um, I don't think that gave parents who are worried about that any pause. You know, there's only 7% of children in Maine who have um, under 5 who, who have taking uh, COVID-19 vaccines in you know, comparison to about three quarters of, of adults or more. So clearly there's some hesitation among parents. And for her to say not at this time after her CDC director voted to add it to the national schedule, rolling out the pathway to mandates all over the country, um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I was a little concerned about that. I was surprised to hear any sort of equivocation um, instead of just saying, no, absolutely not. Well, I think Paula Page made a good point when he said that uh, he he made the connection between yeah. my body, my choice when it comes to abortion yeah. and when it comes to vaccine. I think that that's a it's a good way for uh, libertarians or Republicans or conservatives or just liberals. If you don't want a vaccine, that's a good way to frame the argument <laughs> that you know yeah free yeah. free choice applies right. um, to, to other things as well. Uh, well, so Nick, what do you hope happens in the next couple of weeks? What do I hope happens? Yeah, I mean, are you thinking I mean, that? I, so, 
obviously, you know, I, I work for a nonprofit. I work for a C3. We don't get involved in politics. This is my personal opinion. I don't think Janet Mills should be governor anymore. I, they think, I think the state is, uh, is uh, not going to be in a good place in four years um, if she continues to be governor. So I do hope that, you know, voters get out there and think about uh, the economy um, generally. And, and I, I hope that, uh, I hope, I hope that Paula Page wins and that we are going to cut spending and cut taxes and, and really start to be competitive with, geez, Massachusetts? Can we be tax competitive with Massachusetts, Cynthia? Uh, don't even don't even talk about New Hampshire, but I, I think Maine is falling behind um, and it, the pandemic has, has sped up that decline. We're losing, um, you know, we're, our demographics are not looking good um, and our economy is not looking good. Our workforce is not looking good. We really need some change. And I think that starts with cutting government, getting government out of people's way, stop spending uh, so much, stop taxing people so much. Um, we have our regulation, it, it business regulation, occupational licensing is out of control. I think there's so much that we can be doing to reform government. I just don't see that getting any better with four years of, of Janet Mills. And, and it, to not even get into the COVID uh, aspect of that, because I think it, she's been completely atrocious with that. So that's that's my honest opinion <laughs> of what I hope <laughs> happens. Well, Nick, I appreciate you sharing your honest opinions with me, and I appreciate you joining me on the show. And um, did you did you watch the debate from your place in Poland? I did. And uh, what's the weather like up there? Is it like frost on the pumpkin yet, or? Uh, no, it was pretty wet. It was pretty wet today. I felt like it rained all day. Well, much. well, I pre- appreciate your time, and um, until next time, take care. Thank you. You as well. Good night.